0: This is
1: Metal Mike, and in this episode of the '80s Glam Metal Cast, I talk to Mark Evans of Heaven's Edge. We discuss their stellar 1990 debut and what they've been up to in recent years. Check it out, Mark. Welcome to the '80s Glam Metal Cast. How you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How about you? Uh, I'm doing very well, <laughs> sir. I really appreciate the uh, the phone call tonight. So, first question here. So, be. I, I like to call this BC. So before Corona, you guys did the 2020 Monsters of Rock cruise. How did that go for you guys?
0: Uh, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And, uh, yeah, we, we got it in just under the wire, too. Really? Yeah. <laughs> before everything shut down. Um, it's, for us, it's getting to do any of what we get to do over the past, what's it been now, seven years since we reunited Um, has just absolutely blown us away that we even, after all these years, get the opportunity to to do this again. And and with our age now, you know, the distance from back then to now, we can appreciate it so much more. Everything's kind of slowed down. And to just be a part of it, you know, see our name listed on a T-shirt with all, you know, with Extreme and, you know, uh, Night Ranger and, kicks and all those bands is just, it blows us away. And, uh, the crowds have been amazing. Um, we did the first show on the cruise on so, the first Sunday, we left Saturday so that we left Saturday night. We did the first show of the cruise on Saturday, on Sunday in the main theater. And it was funny cause the last time we did the cruise, we also did a show in the theater, but it was at the same exact time as the Super Bowl. <laughs> which they were playing on the big screen. So we had a decent crowd, but you know, a lot of people were watching the Super Bowl. This one here, we we came out onto the stage and it was just packed. And um it and we've gained kinda of like in the old days, the goal was to gain fans. You need to get the exposure in there. And people from all over the world come to the go to these cruises and do M three go to M three and stuff. And we've had people coming up and going, you know what, I got to be honest with you, I apologize, but I had never heard of you until I saw you the last time on the cruise or saw you at M3, because we're definitely one of the lesser known bands on any of these things. But the fact that people are just like, oh my God, I had to go out and get your records, I had to do this, I had to make sure I was here for this. And um, so gaining fans after all these years when you're, you know, you're closing in on 60 years, years old is pretty damn cool.
1: That's awesome, you know, and that happens with a lot of different bands. You know, if you if your friends weren't into that band or they didn't play them on the radio station where you live, there, there might be a chance you might have missed out on that band. And that's what's great now with YouTube and Spotify—you can get caught up pretty quick.
0: Oh yeah, that's uh, and you know, so people and I've had people do that too. Be like, oh, I, I saw your you know the band thing, and you know we were putting stuff together and you know doing a playlist, so we you know knew all the bands. And people going, oh my god, we listened to your stuff. It was the first time, or oh, we had forgotten about you guys. And uh, so it's just it's amazing to go out there and get that kind of reaction, and, and especially when you hear it from. Like I said, you're on the cruise, and there are people literally from all over the world, and coming up, and just you know, oh my, I've waited 30 years to see you guys, and I'm like, wow. If you had told me that eight years ago before we got back together again, I never would have believed it. So we've gotten to do some pretty pretty cool stuff over the past seven years.
1: I watched a few clips of it. I was not there at the cruise and I thought it sounded killer. Um, Is there any talk of maybe doing another album or once this thing blows over doing some more shows?
0: Uh, Definitely doing more shows. We're keeping our fingers crossed that, um, that M3 still happens that they were able to move it to Labor Day weekend. Uh, So we're really hoping for that. And after that, you know, once, They open things up. I'm hoping to book a show locally, uh, you know, in Philly somewhere, hopefully in the fall, if not maybe into the winter, depending really on Jaron's schedule because the new bass player is also on tour or will be again on tour with Tantric, I'm sure, once this thing is over. So we kind of have to work around that schedule. But we will definitely be doing more. Reggie and I are writing. Um, it's a much slower process than it used to be We're, I guess not as uh, prolific as we were back in the day, (laughs) but, uh, but we are writing, we like the stuff we're writing and hopefully we will be able to get together with the rest of the guys. And actually it's not a full record, maybe an EP or something, but, uh, I'm hoping for, we do have new music. It's just a matter of getting the whole band recorded instead of us putting it out there with, you know, a drum machine that Reggie programmed and him and I doing all the, you know, all the tracks on it. So, we're hoping that that's going to happen. That's the plan, and we'll see if it happens. because who knows nowadays what's going to happen?
1: Yeah. Well, that's nice. Right now the subject matter is tough because I don't know if you ever seen any of these videos that, like David Coverdale does. He's singing songs about the vacuuming and the coronavirus blues. So we we got to get past this stuff and get onto some uh, more positive topics. You know.
0: Oh yeah, it's crazy. And I'm seeing I'm I'm tempted to do one of those you know Facebook uh, live things. I'll just have to figure out exactly what to play, because I know some people are playing their own stuff, some people are doing covers, so at some point I may do something just out of extreme boredom. (laughs) So, um, in 2019 in the
1: fall, you guys lost your original bassist, um, Gigi. He sounded like a real cool guy. I was was very sorry
0: to hear that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That was was tough. I mean, we... uh, back in i guess it was late 2018 we had gotten because the the band we you know five guys in the band we'd have like a group text and at different times reach out whether it's something funny whatever it is and georgia texted the band and he's like any of you guys ever sneezed and thrown your back out and i was like sadly yeah i'm getting old that's happened right and um from that point forward, he was just continue pain in his back. And one thing led to another. And within about three months, they had told him and he had told us that, you know, he had uh, cancer that had spread from his lungs to his bones, um, into his intestines and, uh, and eventually into his brain. Oof. And they were, doing some treatment, doing what they could. <clears throat> but I, I, at that point there, I think it was just, it was all, they already knew that it was so far along. He had probably been sick for a while and just didn't realize it. Um, but losing him back from August, August 18th, I believe it was, uh, losing him was really, really tough. Cause it's not, it's one of those situations we've been in a band together for years. Um, we don't all hang out all the time like we used to, but we went through so many good times and so many bad times, unfortunately together that it just, you, you become, you know, just brothers. And so losing somebody that you felt that close with and the, at so many, uh, past the bad experiences, the stuff we went through back in the day when things started falling apart, the stuff we've done since then to share those things with him, And with with the rest of the guys was amazing. And I'm so thrilled that we had that opportunity. But then when the realization of like, wow, I'm never going to get on stage with him again um, was really tough, you know, and seeing him go through what he went through was, was tough. But unfortunately it's kind of a reality. Now we're getting to that age and you know, cancer's cancer's a bitch. I mean, it just, it doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care what you've done. You know, if it's going to come and get you, it's going to come and get you. And um, but beyond that, I mean, we we talked after uh, after he passed as a band and decided that we did not want his legacy and our legacy to just to just die with him and decided, you know, for sure. We definitely wanted to continue playing because we knew we had uh, we knew we had M3 coming up. We knew we already had the, the cruise booked and in hopes that Georgia was going to be better by then. But we were like, you know what? We've, we're getting older. Who knows how much longer these things are even going to happen. Right. We've got to, you know, enjoy every opportunity we get. So we were fortunate in the fact that, uh, that Darren Galino, who was in a local band here, Mach 22 for a number of years. And then had joined tantric and had been on the road with them forever. Was, available and you know, and into it because strange I'll try to make a a long story short. I met Jaron probably about eight years ago, nine years ago, by chance, I was selling a bass amp on Craigslist and he had contacted me. I had no idea who he was. He came to my house, pulled in my driveway with the rest of the band. They were going to a gig. We were loading it into their van and he gets out of the car, it's in the dark and everything. I got my hair slicked back in a ponytail oh, my God, you're Mark Evans. Like, how do you know? He was like, probably 22 or three at the time. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm a huge fan. I'm like, really? <laughs> and I, then I'd gotten a chance to know him over the years since, since then. And knew he was a great player, you know, great on stage, nice guy, super humble, just loves to perform and play. And so when we were thinking about people, I was like, what about this guy? And I sent Dave and Reggie a picture of him and a quick video of him with Tantric. Cause we didn't have time as a band to get together. Cause Dave's traveling all over the world, typically, uh, for the record company. And they were like, you know what, Mark, I, he's the guy, see if he's available. So I contacted him. He's just like, well, what are the dates again? And I gave him the dates. He's like, believe it or not, I'm not booked those dates for the cruise or for M3. So he said, I, he was like, I'm in. And he came down and we rehearsed a couple of times with him, and he fit in perfectly. He was he was the perfect guy to come in. He had total respect for for, for George's legacy. He didn't want to come you know try and outshine anybody or oh look I'm better. He just wanted to get up there and perform, and he did a that phenomenal job. He was an absolute pleasure. I look forward to playing with him again.
1: That's awesome. So when you look back uh, on your debut, what are some of your thoughts?
0: Um, I'm still very, very proud of it. I, um, Whenever we get together to, you know, to actually do these shows, I go back and start listening to it again just to make sure that I remember the words and that type of thing. And um, I'm still really proud of it. I think that Neil Kernan, who produced it and mixed it, did a great job It doesn't sound like there's some records from back in that time that when you listen to them, they kind of have a a dated sound to them. And to me, ours ours still sounds fresh. It still sounds good. And um, I love getting to still get up and perform those songs. And it amazes me when we get up and play and, you know, play and find another way or uh, come play the game or hold on to tonight or something. And people are singing it like at the top of their lungs, which, you know, I absolutely love.
1: Yeah, definitely. The sound, I mean, it's a great album, amazing album. The sound quality is great. I really think the sound quality was really evolving uh like 90 early 90s you know on, on the hard rock records a lot of those albums even though like I said especially the metal albums like the, the grand metal that came out in 91 92 they weren't the biggest albums but man the sound quality was superb it was getting very good at that point Oh yeah So first single video is skin to skin awesome song um do you think that was a good choice for the first single
0: No me, no, either. We, me either, me <laughs> either Yeah, we um we wanted to find another way to be the, the first single. Yeah. And the record company's plan was because like you said, things in the rec- the business was changing even at that point, but their thing was we're gonna get on one of the heavier songs so we can get it onto you know, the hard rock radio stations and try and build things that way and then we're gonna come back second single and put out Find another way and they were like, and that'll be the icing on the cake. And our feeling was, well, why wouldn't you just do the icing on the cake thing first and make your best impression? Um, So I I didn't agree with that, and it did okay for us, but it was unfortunate because the Find Another Way video was halfway done when we ended up having issues with Columbia Records. We had filmed half of it here in Philly. We were actually doing a a couple of weeks or two or three weeks tour up in through new england area and got the call that you know that columbia was shutting us down so and we were supposed to leave right from new england to fly out to la to the sound stage to do the rest of the video and uh so unfortunately that never happened and we have we've actually tried to get footage of what they had filmed for the initial part but no luck on that but i we all thought that find another way should be the first single but unfortunately when you're dealing with the You know the president of columbia records he gets to override you when you haven't had any singles yet
1: (laughs) right right yeah and i was gonna say the same thing find another way to me that's got like radio hit written all over it. i'm very surprised that was not the first single but what are you gonna do right
0: right it's whatever whatever it was that we did back then was enough for us to be able to do what we're doing now which we're incredibly appreciative of and um and it's obvious to me when we play Find Another Way, people love Skin to Skin, we play that as well, but Find Another Way just seems to be, you know, the one that really grabbed everybody. And uh, and I know because it's the one that people sing the loudest, so they're they're paying attention to that one. But, um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm really proud of the first record. I was planning on being really proud of the second record as we were uh, working on it. But the strange thing is, if, you've list, if you listen through some other place some other time, actually two of the songs on it, Rock Steady and Just Another Fire, were recorded for the first record, but didn't make the cut.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Which I also wasn't thrilled with. But um, the rest of the record after that, it went from, we, had, we got re-signed with Capitol Records after everything fell apart with Columbia to do the second record. <clears throat> And we went into the studio to do the initial demos for it, uh, which was songs like Some Other Place, Some Other Time, Jackie, um, I mean, Can't Cry Anymore was one of them. We'd done like four or five songs that are, excuse me, really good quality. And we actually had Neil Kernan mix them, even though we didn't record them. But then after that, when we were offered to do this second record uh, with, uh, it was an MTM, they they needed more songs, so we had other demos. So that's why it's kind of like the album goes from sound quality of, you know, really good, and then it, it starts sounding like demos towards the end. Right. And the funny thing is, is that some of the songs that we wrote in the last set of demos, we listen back now, and it was us like us desperately trying to be a little bit more grunge or a little bit more in tune with what was going on in the early 90s, and it just it wasn't us.
1: So what happened with Columbia Records? So what well, I think all of us hard rock fans were expecting is, you know, you get your first single that's a little bit more, you know, heavier. Then you have your power ballot. You know, you kind of go through the trajectory of, uh, you know, at least three videos. So it sounds like you kind of stalled out on the second one. What happened? Was it they just didn't have faith in the project or times were changing? What no, happened?
0: <clears throat> no, it actually wasn't that. Was what happened and the the basically the long and short of it came down to, Donnie Einer, who's the president of Columbia Records, said, <clears throat> here's a, I feel like it was a cassette or a CD, you'd think it'd be burned in my brain by now. He said, this is a, a band I just signed called Alice in Chains. This is the future, and you guys are kind of like the past. Yes. And shut it down. <clears throat> that was the end of it. It wasn't. Their record was doing well. Find Another Way it had already been released as a single out west and was like number one. It was doing great, but they just decided, you know, nope. You know, the grunge, the new uh, thing from Seattle is what the future is, and that was what they were going with. Okay.
1: And Alice in Chains was kind of like the, the earliest out, I believe. I, I was trying to do a research. That came out in August. When did
0: Heaven's Edge come out? We came out, I believe it was in May.
1: Okay, so that's not far apart.
0: Yeah. Wow. And the other thing that's funny, too, is we were, <clears throat> when we got signed initially, we had a, a showcase at the Trocadero in Philly. And as with most, most bands back then, you know, you're trying to get signed, you're going to have a record company showcase, and you've got to come out and support us for having a record company showcase, and nine times out of ten, nobody shows up. Well, we were told at the truck by our management that seven different record labels were coming out, and right before the show, they came back and they were like, they're all here. Like, oh, crap. So, ended up in the following weeks after that show, we got offers from all of them. Wow. And the offer that we went with was uh, a guy by the name of Tommy Matola, who is the president of CBS Sony, not Columbia. He's president of the company that owns Columbia records, but also owns Epic records. And he sent, uh, he told us, he said, I think Donny Einer. Donnie Einer had just gotten hired. He said, I think he's going to be your guy. I think you're going to do much better here. And uh, maybe a month or so later, we got a, um, a package from David glue, who was the president of Epic records who really wanted to sign us. As well, he wanted. He was hoping that we were going to land with him, and he sent us a card. I still remember the card. I wish he still had it. It's one of those like black and white hallmark cards. It's everything's black and white, but then there's just like a red color or something. In it. And it was gangsters like that. It's like Bonnie and Clyde or like Sonny and the Godfather that had just been shot up in an old fashioned car, and and the red was the blood coming down and inside. He was just like, "This is what I felt like when you guys signed with Columbia," <laughs> and and he sent us uh a cassette or C D or whatever. He goes, This was my Heaven's Edge consolation prize and it was Firehouse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who have all obviously gone gone on went on and did very, very well for them. They still sound great. I saw them on the uh on the cruise. Uh CJ still sings his ass off. Um but it was it was just funny like this guy sent <laughs> took the time to send this card to us. <laughs> So, who did you guys tour uh, with on that album? The only uh, actual tour that we joined on to for a short bit was with the, with uh, Dio. Okay. The rest of the time, we were touring, playing uh, playing clubs and small theaters All we, we would do some shows here and there. We did some shows with Danger Danger back then, um, but they weren't tours. It was just like a you know a handful mm-hmm. of dates. Uh, but the, most of the time after that, we were just touring on our own, you know, playing wherever, wherever we got booked. And, um, so we, we never got the full blown, like I'm on tour with this one for, you know, the next six months or whatever it may be. We came close. I know we were, we were offered before everything fell apart. We were offered to go out with, um, damn Yankees. Mm. And then basically everything fell apart and Columbia stopped. The money dried up. Sure. And, and also bad company, I believe, if I remember correctly, but it was bad company when they had uh, that guy Brian singing, not Paul Rogers.: Right:
1: Yeah, they toured. they toured together on that album. I remember seeing that yeah,. Show.
0: Yep.
1: Yep. That would have been awesome.
0: Yeah. But like I said, we get to do these things now, and you know, some of the guys in all those bands have gotten to know them and hang out with them on the you know with the cruisers and M3 and everything. So like I said, I can't complain. Uh, even Dave, our drummer who, uh, I don't know if you know, but he's uh, vice president of A&R with, uh, Roadrunner Atlantic Records.
1: Oh, no kidding.
0: Uh, yeah. So now he gets to be one of the guys that, you know, ruins musicians' lives. <laughs> so I, um, on, right? yeah but he, he had, back when we first started playing again, he had just finished the, uh, that last rat record. I think it was called Infestation. Yeah,
1: that's a good one. Yeah.
0: And he was also working with uh, with like Queensrÿche and Megadeth and some other bands that were, you know, at the in the second half of their career as well. And he wrote a, an email to everybody in the band after we had gotten the chance to do some of these shows. And he said, you know, he said, we've got to look at all this the right way. He said, we are the lucky ones because he said some of the bands that not like a Bon Jovi or a Night Ranger or somebody like that some of the bands that were a little bit more successful than us, he said, these guys are still out there trying to make a living driving around in a van, you know, at 50 some years old, you know, not making a ton of money and everything and that, but that's their life. They just continue going and and doing and doing. And, uh, he said for us, we get to hop in for, you know, a week on the cruise or a weekend at M3 and feel like musicians again and feel like, you know, feel young and, you know, Get to have that kind of fun. But he said after that, instead of hopping in a van and driving to, you know, Des Moines or, you know, some town wherever, we get to come home. We have nice houses. We have jobs. We have families. So he said, you know, we, we're the lucky ones because we're not out there struggling trying to do it. But we still get the opportunity every once in a while to hop over to the other side and enjoy ourselves that way. So uh, we can't complain. <laughs>
1: No man, no doubt. Um, being from Philly, do you know the guys from like Cinderella and Britney Fox? Did you know any of those guys?
0: Oh yeah, actually, I went to high school with uh, with Dean Davidson. Okay. Um, and the rest of the guys I'd gotten to know, you know, through just you know being around them. We did a we had done a few shows with Britney Fox. We played with them out in California. Um, and like I said, i had already known Dean. Um, and my wife was actually, uh, Mike Sherman or Michael Kelly Smith, sorry, uh, his roommate back when Brittany Fox had gotten together. And, uh, so we've, you know, we've got to know them through the, through those things. And, uh, the guys in Cinderella, same thing, just from kind of, you know, being around actually the original logo for heaven's edge, not the one that ended up on the album. The one that's tattooed on my arm that you can't really tell what it is now. But the original logo was actually designed by Emily Kiefer by Tom's ex-wife. Oh, no kidding. Yeah.
1: Well, I think it's awesome that you guys are still out there doing stuff because I'm a big Britney Fox fan, and uh, Dean and Michael Kelly Smith, they're just like incognito. They don't do shows. They don't talk to anybody. So, you know, hey, yeah. <laughs> whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, when we played um, – I think it was 2015, maybe. We played at uh, the TLA and I had Britney Fox uh, come and do the show with us. And Johnny had even told me, he said that, you know, he's like, he knew that Dean wasn't gonna be involved. Right. But he actually reached out to Michael to see if he you was know, like, you know, he was just come up and just play a song or two. And Michael was just not, not into it. Yeah.
1: I mean, some people, it's just, they don't want to relive the past or any of that kind of stuff, and I guess you just got to respect it.
0: Yeah, and it's a shame because they're missing out. It's its an amazing feeling. It's an amazing high, even when you only get to do it a few times a year. It's like a, you know, it's like a drug. You just, you know, you live off of it until you get a chance to do the do the next one, or, you know, you, you live off of it when you're, like this past week, going through, you uh, you know, the Facebook memories thing come up and it's memories from M3 from a few years ago and memories from the cruise. And I mean, just, I sit there and look at the, the pictures and, uh, you know, especially if I'm at work, I'm the, a union painter for me in Philadelphia. So, you know, I'm wearing painter's whites and a bright orange shirt and construction boots and a, you know, hard hat. I'll be sitting at lunch and flipping through on Facebook and going... Wow, what a difference. I'm sitting here now doing this, but look, (laughs) every once in a while I get to do that.
1: That's that's awesome, man. Uh, Yeah. One thing that you guys used to implement, and still do, I believe, is uh, some choreography. Did you get that from KISS? Were you guys KISS fans?
0: I was a huge... KISS was my first concert back in, I think, 1974, 1975. Um, It was right before KISS Alive came out. I saw them at the Civic Center in Philly. Changed the... Literally changed my life because, you know, now like everybody, you're you're prepared for anything. You want to go and see a band, or you know, you oh this band's opening up for so and so. Oh, let me watch some videos so I can see if I like them or not. And with Kiss, all I had was the Dress to Kill album cover, and it was the four guys in those you know gangster suits with makeup on. I had no clue what I was walking into when I walked into the Civic Center. They came out with those costumes on and all of the. Bombs going off and spitting blood and fire and I walked out of there like shell shocked. I was I think like fourteen. It's like I know what I want to do,
1: <laughs> no doubt.
0: <laughs> oh, I love them too. But, yeah, but actually, but actually, a lot of a lot of the choreography stuff that we did, a lot of that came from a, a local band, a look a legendary local band around here that unfortunately never got as big as they should have called the Dead End Kids. Okay. And we were all huge fans. In fact, well, you might know uh, Bill Matson from the Dead End Kids. He was in the band Tangier. Do you remember them? Yep.
1: yep.
0: Yeah. And um, I started going to see them when I was, you know, probably late in high school, you know, sneaking into clubs. And they were that same kind of unbelievable, like, oh, my God, what am I watching? But they did all the kicks, the guitar spins. They were the first ones I ever saw do any of that kind of stuff. And so we decided to incorporate it just because, you know, like it just, it looks cool. And, you know, Cinderella had done a lot of the same. Brittany Fox had done a lot yep. of the same. It was just kind of a, you know, a thing we did. Um, but it all stems from the dead end kids. They were, they influenced us. They influenced poison. I mean, poison was from York, Pennsylvania initially. They, they were fans of, of the dead end kids. And, um, so that's where a lot of that came from. If you happen to look up, I know there are some old videos of dead-end kids on, uh, on YouTube, but if you look some of them up, you'll see what I'm talking about.
1: I'll have to check it out. It sounds right up my alley, Mark. Um, yep. So as things started to fall apart and Heaven's Edge was, didn't have a deal anymore, did you try to form another band or do anything throughout the 90s, or what happened?
0: Um, well, what I did is, uh, when I left, because I was actually the first one to say, you know what, I can't do this anymore, it's not working, I've got, you know, i got two kids at home and we just don't mesh with what's out there right now, we're forcing, trying to write like that, it just wasn't working, so I left, and I started, because I still needed to make money, <clears throat> Right. so I started a, a uh, local cover band called Pack, Pack, and played with, you know, we played for maybe, I don't know, two years, two or three years, something like that, but just doing cover stuff. And then the rest of the guys, George, not the rest, Steve wasn't part of that because he, well, he was already out of the band at that point. But Steve, George, and Dave got with another singer, a guy named Sean. I can't remember his last name. He formed a band called American Pie. And I think they were maybe together for a year or so. And, you know, it just it didn't work out. They didn't end up, you know, getting signed or anything. So they all kind of started, you know, moving on to other things as well. But then once once the pack was done, I had done that for a while. But I was still, I was working during the day, and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just done. And I just kind of walked away from music for years and just spent the time raising the kids, or, or as my uh, wife would say, said so we're in a child's coma. We have three, <laughs> three kids to raise, and so, you know, nothing else at that point mattered. It wasn't like, you, you know, going out and drinking and partying and doing... It was all went by the wayside. It was, you know, all about the kids at that point.
1: Totally understand, but it's nice that you were able to come back around. The interest was still there, and you're able to do the cruises. I mean, that's pretty uh, awesome.
0: Oh yeah, I it, we um and it's funny we weren't even we were not planning on getting together. And there's a guy by the name of Kieran Dargan. He's from Ireland, and he would put on a festival called Firefest in Nottingham, England, every year. And Turns out he had been reaching out to Dave through the record company, and Dave was like, We're not even a band. We're not even a band. Well, eventually, I guess it would have been in 2012, Kieran messaged me on Facebook. And I was like, You know, same thing. I said, Kieran, we're not even a band. I mean, you know, we haven't played in forever. And he was like, Can I have your phone number? I just want to call you and talk to you. And I said, Okay. So I get a call from this guy from Ireland and he was telling me, he said, Mark, look, he said, I've, I've, and he started naming all these bands. He said, I got all these different bands to reunite, to come over here and play Firefest." He said, you have no idea how much people love your band over here. And, you know, I talked to him for a while and he said something funny to me. He said, Mark, look, let me put it to you this way. You're going to fly over to England for the weekend you're going to feel like an absolute and total rock star for the weekend. People are going to be just, you know, gushing over everything for the weekend. And then Monday, you're going to go back home and you're going to have to take out the trash just like any other day. <laughs> <laughs> and so and I just it just struck me funny and then fortunately for me, for my actually for my wife and I, when Firefest was announced, I got a message from a promoter in Athens, Greece. And he said, I can't bring the whole band down here, but while you're over in, while you're in England, hello, my dog's coming up to say hi. Um, He said, while you're in England, he said, is there any way I can get you to, you know, come down to Athens and do an acoustic show? And I was like, well, you just have to fly my wife and I down there and back to London again. And, you know, and pay me something and put me up while we're there. So we made a deal. And so we went to England on Friday, Played on Saturday and on Sunday got up and the rest of the band flew home and my wife Jeannie and I, we flew down to Athens, Greece and decided to spend the rest of the week in Greece. So did a a show on Tuesday night in Greece. That was one of the best memories I'll ever have of my life because I played for an hour and a half in front of the most passionate music fans I, I think I've ever seen. They literally, when I started playing, there were some technical difficulties they before I played, we get in there, the place is packed, um, get up on the stage, and I, once I finally was able to start playing, once they got the guitar situation fixed, I had a little tray next to me that had uh, you know, some, a thing of tea on it, some water and everything. People started putting shots of Jack Daniels up there for me. And I started playing the first song, and they started stomping their feet and pounding the tables and singing so loud that the drinks just bounced right off the tray. <laughs> wow.
1: That's crazy. It was
0: it was crazy. And I played for like I said, an hour and a half. I literally I learned because I don't play guitar on all the songs, just like on the acoustic one. So I learned everything that could possibly be played of a Heaven's Edge song plus some other newer originals that I had just by myself on an acoustic to these people that just were going nuts for an hour and a half. I finished the set was saying thank you good night, and they started screaming for me to play "Hold On to Tonight" again. Wow! I'd already played it, <laughs> and and I kid you not, and uh, you know, not embarrassed about this, you know, at all. I started playing "Hold On to Tonight" again, and they started singing so loud that I just stopped singing. And I was, I mean, I was up there sweating, so nobody could really tell. But I was sitting there listening to them sing to me because I stopped singing and just started crying. Wow. It was just this incredibly emotional, like I couldn't believe I'm like, I'm in freaking Greece. <laughs> I was afraid that they weren't going to know anything. And here they are singing along every word of every song. It was just it blew me away. I mean after all these years, I, I make it to Greece and who would have thought that there were that many people that even knew who the hell we were?
1: That's amazing.
0: And then staying the, staying the rest of the week in Greece was also awesome because just Athens is amazing. We went down to the southern tip of Greece uh, at this Cape Sunio and stayed at an amazing resort overlooking the Asian Sea and the Temple of Poseidon. It was just like a, a, it was a completely surreal week. We got back just going, I, I, don't, I, I can't even think straight right now. I can't believe, because we hadn't played in like 20 years. Uh, so I'm like, I, I was blown away, absolutely blown away.
1: I tell you, man, they're they're passionate over there. I wish we could get the states that passionate about hard rock
0: and heavy metal. Yeah, yeah, they are. It's it's so funny. Like they, um, we got into Greece on Sunday. They picked us up at the airport and just drove us to our hotel. I had Monday with nothing going on, and they had asked me. They said, "Can we take you know you and your wife out to dinner? You know to an authentic uh, Greek restaurant?" And Athens? I was like absolutely that'd be great and these guys are it's almost like like the people that are into like the comic-con that -hmm. know every detail about every superhero every character every everything you know or like a Trekkie with Star Trek or you know they know every detail of our lives they and and they're also brutally honest. Like, if there's something that they don't like on your record, they'll tell you. I thought this was great. I loved everything. But that one song, no, not so much. <laughs> Where, when you're performing, they're like, oh, that was you were amazing. I mean, I did hear that one note that you cracked on. But like, they, <laughs> there's no edit button. But they know every last detail. And actually, speaking of that band, the pack that I started, it was a cover band. I mean, just a cover band playing in local clubs. We had T-shirts made up, which I had totally forgotten about. One of the guys was wearing a pack T-shirt. He somehow researched down, found on eBay or God knows where. Somebody selling a pack T-shirt actually knew that I was in a band called The Pack and ordered and paid God knows what for a pack T-shirt that I had even forgotten existed. That's insane. Yeah.
1: That, I mean, that, that's, I guess, the beauty or the, or the scary part of, of the internet, right? I mean, you can find just about anything. You can get anything. It's like it's it really opened up the world for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, let me ask you about something. This might be a little bit out of left field, but, well, okay, so I love Heaven's Edge. I love Brittany Fox. Another one band that I love is Lillian Axe, okay? And yep. I feel like your voice would fit well with like the music that Stevie blaze does. Do you,
0: you familiar with Lillian X? Some, some, but I'll I'll definitely, I'll be checking them out tonight.
1: Yeah. Check out, uh, check out like the first, um, album, 1988, self-titled 1989 love and war, because your voice and their singer, Ron Taylor, a little, little Mm -hmm. similar, similar quality. And, uh, so something to think about down the road. You know, they do those projects on frontiers, you know, you, you, you and Lillian X, maybe.
0: I, I will definitely check him out.
1: And uh one thing I just else I gotta throw in is I think we have a mutual friend, a guy who plays your stuff to this day on the radio, Jackie Bam Bam.
0: Love Jackie. <laughs> he's a character, isn't he? He's awesome. Oh my God. Guy I absolutely love the guy though. He is um and it's so funny. He's he he'll be ninety years old and he's gonna look like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But yeah, I've had him any of the times that he's available at, whenever we do a local show, I always have him come to, to, you know, introduce us and bring the band on. And, uh, but he's just, he's great. I mean, he's, he even helps out my wife and I uh, do some different benefits and, and such. And I'll be like, Hey man, why don't you call in, you know, see what we can do to pump up the benefit. And, um, you know, he's just, he's a, a great guy, you know, real generous and, uh, it's it's fun. I actually got a text from him at some point last night. Typically from him, a text from him is at like three in the morning. Um, and tell him I, I heard you're going to be doing the uh, you know the, the the show with my. He's, he's like I'm I'm friends with him. I'm like, Oh okay cool.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I figured Philly man, you guys had to know each other.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I knew him from back when we uh, at the uh, at the galaxy the club in uh, Somerdale, which is really where us, Britney, Fox and Cinderella all started. We would would play there. All of the bands, unless you had some other thing going on, you typically played at the galaxy once a week. You were either, you know, for us, we were the Friday night, uh, headliner, the Friday night, midnight band. Um, right before we started, Britney had just, they had just gotten signed and, and gone out on tour, but they were always, I believe the Saturday night, midnight band. And before them, Cinderella was the Saturday night band, but we played there, I think every Friday night for at least maybe like a year and a half, two years before we got signed.
1: Nice. So Mark, uh, what would you like to say in closing to all your fans out there?
0: I would just like to thank them, uh, from the bottom of my heart for still supporting us. still remembering us and also for the amazing love that they showed us and, george's family when he passed away um and and the fact that all of them were also very supportive when we came back out and decided to play and uh after george had passed everybody that came up there they're like thank you so much we're so worried that you weren't going to keep playing we're so sorry about george but you know we love you guys and so i just want to thank all the fans from the bottom of all of our hearts that they have made the second half of our, not really career, the second half of our music life as uh, as enjoyable and memorable as it's been. It's better than the first. Very good. Yeah, really. Yeah, my wife just said, almost better than the first, and yeah, it it absolutely is. You can actually enjoy it. Yeah, we just get, it's like M3, I'm, because I'm also a fan of a lot of these bands, of a lot of the bands this year when we're playing at M3, and hopefully it happens. I'm psyched because we're playing Friday night with kicks and slaughter. And then I have the rest of the weekend to just hang out and watch all the bands and hang out with everybody. Cause people laugh at me, but every time we've got, done M3, you know, we get the artist passes. We can go wherever we want, hang out backstage and watch the shows from up there, which everybody thinks like, Oh my God, that's so cool. I'd be back there all the time, but my wife and I actually buy tickets, even though I'm playing there because the rest of the weekend we want to have seats because the the passes don't give us the access to actually sit in a seat. Mm -hmm. So we buy seats and and sit out there and watch, and people come up and go, what are you doing out here? Watching the band? Just like you. I like these guys too.
1: (laughs) Well, that's awesome, Mark. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate the time tonight. It was a great conversation. Uh, You and the family, stay healthy and stay well.
0: Uh, You do the same, and thank you so much.
1: Mark's a cool dude. That was an awesome interview. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Rock on!